I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 138. Okay, and right off the bat, we just wanted to address something that was said in the last Sinister Sightings, um, where we were talking about the snakes and in the story of the snakes being run over and we know that that hurts some people's feelings and we want to acknowledge that and say we're very sorry that we hurt anyone's feelings of course we do not mean to intentionally hurt or kill any animal and just because we have a fear of snakes doesn't mean that you should just go out and kill snakes Thank you so much for those of you who reached out in the Facebook group and educated us on, well, your love of snakes and how that made you feel. We really appreciate you taking the time to reach out. And I just want to echo what Carrie said. Thank you for reaching out and letting us know. Because of that, we can grow from this incident. But one thing that we do stand by is don't get pets that you don't know how to take care of because that's what led to all this was someone releasing a pet that they didn't want anymore or didn't know how to take care of. Because it wasn't a typical pet. So get your pets responsibly. And that even goes for like this time of year. Because a lot of people get puppies. And even just like your typical domesticated animal. People get it as like, oh my god, that'd be a great Christmas gift. And then when it comes down to it, they don't want it. Because they don't want to do the work. Because it's fucking hard having a puppy or anything. And then it's like, okay, well let me give it away. Okay, let's jump right in to the first story. The first story is titled Satan, and content warning, this story involves drug use and sexual assault. Hello, my beautiful besties and all your beautiful friends lurking in the shadows. It's me again, Miss Piggy from a different verse. In case you've forgotten, even though I'm cool AF, I'm not narcissistic enough to think that I am memorable. My last submission was about my supervisor Shinron meeting me in a dream slash different dimension. Well, multiple dreams. I was hoping for an update, but never got one. That was the last time I saw Shinron. Freakishly, his vehicle, which is quite new, mysteriously had the engine lock up. Upper management reassigned him to work from home. I still am working from the office. This was right after my encounter with him in his car. Um, I didn't think spirit guides could affect material things on this plane, but I suspect my guide was involved. I believe my guide, Charlie, feels Shinron has sinister intentions. I will leave it at that for now, but I know Charlie feels Shinron is a threat to me. This breaks my heart, as I would have classified Shinron as a trusted friend. I know Charlie is trying to protect me. I believe Charlie feels that Shinron is a rogue dreamwalker. From the best I can understand, there is a secret society of dreamwalkers who remain hidden because they live by a code that was put in place to protect them. They are sworn to observe others in dreams and never to interfere or interact. Shinron interacts. I'm unsure of why the dreamwalkers do what they do or what their purpose is. Does anyone know any more than I've been told? And another serious question. Has anyone listening had this happen? Someone you know and trust is disliked by your guide? What happened? I'd like to know. Anywho, in that submission, I casually mentioned a friend who I affectionately call Satan. I met Satan right after I started seeing 1111 everywhere, over 15 years ago. He randomly messaged me one day online. We discovered we had a few things in common. We based our friendship on our love of weed, music, politics, paranormal, and sex. Yes, sex. Maybe I should have mentioned. Satan was also the classic bad boy, which made him more delicious. He was metal AF and looked apart with his long brown hair and his rocker attire. He played guitar, and back then I had a weakness for guitarists. If they can make the guitar make those noises with their fingers, what can they do when they play me? One day, Satan asked me to come over and spend the night. Something happened the night we were supposed to hang out, so we hung out the next night, but we both had to work the next day. I can rest when I'm dead. I forgot to mention, even though we met online, we discovered he worked right next door to my job, so I had a friend drop me off at his house so we could ride in together the next morning. This was ultra convenient because I didn't have a car at the time. Also noteworthy is I used to work at the same place he worked, but left shortly before he started working there. I always find it interesting that people who are meant to be in your life have different opportunities to come into it, kind of like cosmic fail-safes. Total side note and tangent time, but have you ever started to tell a story and remembered more of it as you're telling it? This tangent is long, so I apologize. At the same time I was hanging out with Satan, my roommate was having a bit of an identity crisis. 
She'd been married to a man, but had an open marriage. She started to fool around with chicks and discovered she likes females better sexually. She left her husband, but couldn't come to terms with her sexuality, so she started to date another man, but soon left him for a woman. My roommate wasn't ready to tell people she was with a woman now, so she called her girlfriend her boyfriend. When she first started to talk about her boyfriend, she called him Shorty. Shorty had been in trouble with the law and was trying to stay clean. Even though my roommate used male pronouns for Shorty, Shorty herself used female pronouns. So in honor of Shorty, I will use her preferred pronouns. She told us she was in trouble for cocaine, possibly dealing. I can't remember anymore. She got in trouble with her cousins who were still using cocaine. So the night I was supposed to hang with Satan, I ended up traveling out of town with my roommate, Shorty, and Shorty's cousins. I had no idea when I got in the vehicle where we were going or why. After we left our city, they told me we were going out of town to score some cocaine for Shorty's people. I'd never been on a drug deal, you know, a real drug deal, not weed, and was trying to not freak the fuck out. This is not something I would have chosen to do, and I was supposed to be going to Satan's house for the first time, as he always came to my house previously. As we passed a little brick home that was painted white, going to our destination of the drug dealer's apartment, I fixated on the house. I was drawn to it and was intrigued by it for no reason at all. Needless to say, we got home late that night. I missed hanging out with Satan because I was kidnapped for some stupid shenanigans I didn't want to be involved in. Even though I had a cell phone back then, we usually communicated on Yahoo Messenger or my landline, and I never previously gave him my cell phone number. I felt bad that I left him hanging with not even a mention of why, so I found him online and apologized. I had never been to his house before, so the next day I got his address, and he finally got my cell phone number. Funny, he lived in the same town I was in the previous night on the drug deal with my roommate, Shorty, and her crew. The friend I mentioned who dropped me off at his house was my roommate. While we were going to his house, I remarked, hey, this is one of the roads we were on last night. As we approached his address, I realized it was the house I stared at the night before, the little white painted brick house. Satan comes outside and greeted me as my roommate left. I tried to explain all the weirdness of everything the night before and how I was so close to him without even knowing it. But like most of my weirdness, I feel like he was skeptical. Knowing what I know about him now, I bet he thought I was really with some other dude. He would later cater to his insecurities and falsely accuse me of such on separate occasions. And yes, I was dumb and there were other occasions. Satan started out trying to impress me. Like I mentioned earlier, he was a guitarist and had some success locally. His musical endeavors did not stop with the strings. This boy whipped out a motherfucking pan flute. He was the embodiment of Baca, serenading me with his syrinx. I was like, yes, boy, yes. Stick those tubes in your lips and blow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he could do that with his lips. Oh, my God. It was really cute, and no one has ever tried so hard to impress little old me. From there, Satan packed his bong as he played Sid Barrett's Terrapin, or was it No Good Trying, in the background. Never hit a bong before, but I was going to give it a go. Satan's directions were to finish the whole bowl. I have really tiny lungs and was dreading the effort it took to get the whole bowl down. I did my best as the music played. Soon, I was feeling the effects of the smoke. Satan stared at me. I had smoked weed many times before, but nothing like this had ever happened. As I stared at Satan, his face began to morph into many others. Just like Michael Jackson video for black and white, only Satan's face morphed faster than the people in the Jackson video, and I never saw Tyra Banks. Yes, she's in Jackson's video. I stared and smiled as the music continued. I must be hallucinating, I thought. I continued to stare in amazement. Then Satan spoke. We are all connected, every soul. We are everyone. All of us are one being, multiple realities at one time. Funny, I thought. Satan's words related to what I'm seeing. Maybe this isn't a mere hallucination. Satan continued, Time is an illusion. Reality is an illusion. We are an illusion. We are one. I smiled and said, I know, as I watched his face morph into thousands of others. (laughs) Then I giggled, you are everyone, because he truly was everyone. Now, here's something I've not told you yet. It may be the most incredible thing I've ever revealed about myself so far. Well, maybe. I don't know. That time travel stuff is weird, if you remember my first story. A couple of months before I met Satan, I had died in a horrible way, which was mostly my fault as I was reckless on purpose despite consequences because I knew I was going to die and didn't care. I had a near-death experience. During the time I died, I went somewhere else. A man accompanied me and told me things to make me want to come back to my life. I didn't want to leave the feeling there, true and total love. It was like a hug of love you feel inside and out. 
One of the things he revealed was, I wasn't a soul who originated for earth. So even though I'm human born, my soul is alien to the earth experience. Also, you make various contracts there. For instance, you make a contract to come here. Your future kids make contracts with you for you to be their parent. They pick you or you pick them, but both have to be in agreement. Your friends can make contracts with you to help you get more experience and so on and so on. Before I was born, I made a contract to come to earth and help humankind. I was told I was on a mission per my contract that I would learn or remember at a later date. The man told me all of this, but then told me coming back was my choice. How the hell is that my choice? I signed up for this. I had to fulfill my contract. Also, breaking this contract would break others, as he told me of a future child I already had a contract with. And it didn't stop there. There were more contracts I would renege on by breaking the main one to come here. He also revealed that my death was necessary. That may be why I knew it was coming. My death activated me somehow, and this activation was necessary for me to complete my mission. As much as I wanted to stay, I told him I'd return. I told him I was going to fill my contracts, and then right before I left there and came back here, he was like, oh, one last thing, you won't remember any of this. The hell I won't watch me. As I fell back through the layers between there and here, I tried to remember every detail. I woke up in a darkened hospital room in ICU. I was supposed to be in an extended induced coma, but I woke up the next day and made a miraculous recovery after a few road bumps. And as much as I tried to hold on to that feeling of pure love I felt from the other place and hold on to the knowledge the man shared, I did forget a lot. So back to Satan. Satan's face finally stopped morphing. Suddenly, I knew I had to get him to understand something. I needed him to know I wasn't exactly from Earth. I had a strange compulsion to ask him a question. And now that I think about it, it felt very similar to Charlie commanding me to ask Shinron questions. I asked Satan, who am I? What? He asked with a quizzical look on his face. Who am I? I repeated. I stared at Satan as his quizzical look changed into one of recognition and an audible gasp escaped his lips, which started to form a wide smile. There it is. He sees me. He really sees me. From my eyes, I could see the room changed. There was a soft pinkish purple glow in the room. I looked at the wall behind Satan. The wall itself was still there, but I could see beyond it. It looked like the landscape of a different planet. I looked at Satan. The ethereal pinkish purple light shone on his face, illuminating it. At that moment, my consciousness shifted. I could see from my own eyes, but I could also see from his eyes. We are one. Much to my own surprise, I realized the light was emanating from me. I could see exactly what Satan saw. I was much, much taller than my human body, and it looked like I was not made of matter, per se. I was made of this ethereal light. If you can imagine light also being a solid, that's what I was. I stared at myself from his eyes. I was in utter disbelief, yet I was also extremely excited about everything happening. You're reptilian, he said excitedly. I'm not a fucking lizard. (laughs) admittedly i was more than mildly offended and made myself even larger and puffed up on my feathers to show him i was not a fucking reptilian i was an indescribably gorgeous something in fact i'm not sure what i was i had scales and feathers rendered from light The ethereal light pulsated and swirled together, different shades of purple and pink. I looked like a bird and a dragon mixed together. I was a fucking alien. I asked to meet you. I asked for you in my life. I asked to meet an alien, and here you are. I asked to meet you, Satan said over and over again excitedly. Whatever the fuck happened, I don't know, but I do know it took an extreme amount of energy on my part. If you've seen The Mandalorian, after the child uses his powers, he collapses, and that's exactly what happened to me. I collapsed backwards onto Satan's bed, incapacitated. Satan then slowly slid my pants off and proceeded to rape me. And just like that, I was human again. That took a very different turn than I thought it was going to take with Satan. He's a piece of shit. Now we know why you call him Satan. Fuck him. Yeah. Also, I've never seen The Mandalorian, but I know what you're talking about. Like, I I get, I've seen enough sci-fi stuff. But also, your emails always take me on... A journey. Yeah, like 20 different journeys in one. 
Well, no matter what brought you back from your near-death experience, we're very thankful that you're still here. Yes, definitely. And you did prove him wrong because you did remember some shit about that. Right? I don't remember nothing. I'm like, I saw a guy and he said a thing. I don't really remember what he said, but like I'm something about contracts. That's all I remember. (laughs) Right. You signed it. People signed it. I'm not really sure. That kind of lines up with reincarnation, though, too. Uh Uh-huh. I was thinking that, too. Well, I look forward to your next uh, email and your next journey that you're going to take us on. Next one. Hi, lovely ladies. I am absolutely loving your podcast. I discovered it about six months ago during UK Lockdown 2.0 and love the mix of true crime, paranormal stories, and your giggles. Truly keeps me sane during these tough times. I live in England and thought I'd share some paranormal experiences I've had over the years. Sorry, but this is a long one, so get comfy and settle in. The first three experiences were about 20 years ago when I lived in an old Victorian home in Kingston, southwest London, with two friends from university. We rented the house for a year just after graduating, and it was only towards the end of our time there that I had my experiences. A little background to the house, as that will help with the stories. It was a two-bedroom property, but a third bedroom had been created downstairs in what had been the front living room. My friend Laura and I had the upstairs bedrooms, and our friend Mark had the one downstairs, which was immediately underneath my room. One evening, I was home alone as Mark was staying over at his girlfriend's house, and Laura was on her way home after a late day at work. Laura had phoned to say she had just gotten off the train and was walking home about a five-minute walk from the train station. While we were talking, I was upstairs in my bedroom, but could hear a noise coming from Mark's bedroom underneath me. It sounded like clothes hangers being dragged across the clothes rail. I was so freaked out. I flung the window open and hung out of it to see if I could see a light or anything coming from below. I was so convinced it might be burglars. Laura, still on the phone, started running home to see if she could see anything as well. There was no one there. The second experience was late one night in the winter. My room was so cold that I used to sleep under two duvets, comforters, and had to wear several layers over my pajamas and a woolly hat to keep warm. No other room in the house was as cold as mine. Anyway, this one night, I woke up to feel a presence standing over my bed. My room was really dark, so while I couldn't see anything, I can only describe feeling a heavy, malevolent presence pushing down on me. I turned on my bedside light, and of course, there was nothing there. I'm not remotely religious, but that night I found myself saying a prayer to ward off what felt like a really evil presence. My last experience in this house was the night I moved out. We had rented the house for a year, so when our tenancy ended, we all moved out together. Laura and Mark moved out on Saturday, and I was leaving on the Sunday. On my last night in the house, my then-boyfriend Adam and I got Chinese takeout and finished packing up the last of my things. Just before bed, I started to feel really sick, so I ended up sleeping downstairs on the couch so I could be close to the toilet. Side note, in this house, the bathroom was located downstairs. Quite typical in this style of Victorian house. That sounds terrible. (laughs) My boyfriend stayed upstairs in my room. At some point in the night, I remember waking up because I was convinced Adam had come downstairs to check up on me. I felt a presence by my head and had heard the floorboard next to the couch creak like it did when someone stood there. I told him I was okay and to go back to bed. In the morning, Adam asked if I'd come upstairs in the night as he felt someone standing by the bed, but the presence had felt threatening. He hadn't come down in the night and I hadn't gone up. Needless to say, we couldn't get out of that house quickly enough. Fast forward about 10 years, Adam and I are now married had bought our first home together. It was a three-bedroom house built in the 1930s and needed redecorating throughout as it had been lived in by an elderly couple and hadn't been decorated since the 80s. Not long after we moved in, I had a chest infection and was up coughing for several nights. Not wanting to disturb Adam with my constant coughing, I ended up sleeping in the bedroom at the back of the house. One night after a long coughing fit, I felt a weight on my bed as if someone had sat next to me and a feeling on my arm as if someone was stroking me. 
While it freaked me out a bit, it felt kind rather than scary. So I tried to brush it off as my imagination and went back to sleep. When it happened again the next night after another coughing fit, I had a feeling that it wasn't my imagination, but that someone or something was trying to comfort me. I politely said, thank you for looking after me, but this is my house now and it's time for you to go. I lived in that house for 13 years and never felt anything again. It's now 10 years on from that last experience and we moved again to another old house. So who knows whether I'll have another story to tell you soon. Thank you for listening and creep it real, Kate. Well, Kate, as much as, you know, I panic that we're going to run out of stories, I hope you don't have to send us in another story. Right? That's what's so scary about, like, if you hear something and you're like, oh, God, what is that? Like, you think it's somebody breaking in your house. Like, your first thought isn't, oh, it's a ghost. Do you think, no, it's a fucking intruder. Right. Also, I could have never been in your room because I could have never, well, one, slept in clothes, but in a woolly hat, too? No, because... That sounds like Carrie's fucking heaven. No, I couldn't have slept in the hat because I don't wash my hair enough and that would have fucked my hair up. True that. More than it already is. But everything else... Sounds heavenly. Oh my gosh. She could layer on clothes. You know that time on Friends where Joey like puts on all of Chandler's clothes? Yes. That is Carrie's like perfect sleeping outfit right there. Well, hopefully you won't have any more experiences, but if you do, you know where to send them. Okay, the next one. Hey, beautiful ladies. My name is Jacqueline from the great state of Kansas. I found y'all back in November and have been listening to you for several hours a day to catch up, and I'm still about a year behind. So I wanted to send you one of my paranormal experiences. So when I was in eighth grade, my best friend Skyla, Jamie, and I were home alone. So what did we decide to do? Decided to hold a seance. None of us would ever touch a Ouija board. That freaked us out way too much. Well, upstairs in the master bedroom, the closet was always super creepy and felt like something was in there. So we had to do it in there, of course. We wanted to know if something was in there. We grabbed our red candles, lit them in a circle around us, sat with a black candle in the middle. None of us knew exactly what we were doing, so we winged it. Skyla spoke first. We said in some chant like, speak to us over and over. Then we heard creaking around us on the floor. Then we saw shadows on the walls around us, moving all around us, freaking us out. But we never broke the circle and never let go of each other's hands. But Skyla said something along the lines of asking who was with us, what happened to them, and that they could move on. I started feeling really cold. And I mean, it's Kansas in July. It's like 100 degrees outside with crazy high humidity. The upstairs only had window units and we turned it off because it was loud. Then Jamie started saying that her back felt like it was burning and it got so bad she was squeezing our hands really hard and crying. At that point, we decided to close it out and prayed and said anything that was there with us was not welcome in the name of Jesus. The room got calm, but Jamie was still crying in pain. We lifted the back of her shirt, and on her back were three red scratches. This was back in 1999, and none of us had heard any significance of the three scratches, but it still scared us to death. We got her downstairs, got her some ice on her back, and after that, we didn't go back in that room without someone else with us. It still creeped us out. We found out a few months later that an old man had died in the house, and we didn't know where or how, just that he had died before my friend's grandma bought the house. Thank you so much for all you do. You ladies crack me up so much and keep me entertained for hours. Creep it real, Jacqueline. Uh Uh-uh, what did you invite into that house? And Mm -hmm. how the fuck in 1999 did you know to do red and black candles? Right, I was gonna say, y'all are winging it, but y'all sound profesh. And then like the chant going, uh uh-huh. Skyla knew what was up. Skyla had uh, done some research up in some books in the library. Was the craft out by then? (laughs) The next one is titled Ghost at Grandma's. Hi, Donna and Changeling. (laughs) God, lots of shade coming at me today. (laughs) I'm Anna, she, her, originally from Minnesota, but now in Washington. 
Your podcast is one of the two I listened to during my 23-hour drive out here and made the drive go by quickly. I've been listening to your podcast for about six months now, and I keep forgetting to send in my stories from my grandparents' house in rural Minnesota. I've had four experiences that stuck with me from that house, all from when I was about 8 to 16, 17. Before going into details about what happened, I want to give a layout of the house. It's three stories. The main floor is just the entryway and the laundry room with wooden stairs to the right of the door. One flight going up to the top level and the other going down to the basement. When you go downstairs, there are no bedrooms due to a flood and remodel making it all open rather than keeping the three bedrooms that existed prior. A bathroom about 20 feet straight from the stairs with two closets on either side of the bathroom door before entering. If you go directly left when reaching the bottom of the stairs, there's quite a bit of space where there used to be a bed from when my sisters took turns living there. To the right of the bed area, there's a door to the shed where my grandpa would keep his work stuff with the door that goes outside from the said shed. Now going upstairs. Immediately off the staircase is a family room with two couches. One is against the main wall and the other is against the wall connected that separates the kitchen. Going straight from the staircase is another bathroom and turning next to the bathroom is the kitchen. Next to the kitchen is a computer office area. The dining room is the next room after the computer area with a sliding door that goes to the deck. To the left of that is a living room that connects to the other family room with a couch, recliner, TV, and a big lamp next to the couch. There are two rooms to the right of the bathroom on that level where my grandparents sleep and the other room I was in when I lived there. They also live at the end of a cul-de-sac near a lake and surrounded by a swamp and a grassy hill. Now that I've gave excessive detail, it's time to start the story. When I was eight, my mom took me to the house so she could mow the lawn since I was too young to stay at home by myself. I stayed inside and played on the computer and listened to music while she was outside. As I was sitting at the computer, I heard a woman say, Anna? 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 In a soft, familiar voice. I responded, yeah? Just to look outside and realized that my mom was still outside mowing the grass and no one was home. I ran outside and told my mom it sounded like my friend's grandma, who was and is still alive, calling my name inside. She didn't believe me, but I refused to be in the house by myself at that point. Next is when I was about 10. One of my older sisters and I were sleeping in the living room where the TV was. She was on the couch and I was on the recliner. I had woken up before her and she had the remote and was a beast to wake up. So I just sat and stared at the blank TV waiting for her to wake up. That's when I noticed someone standing by the lamp. She looked like the girl from The Ring, long, straggly black hair and a gown. I looked to the lamp and she wasn't there, so I stared back at the TV and noticed that she was sitting on the couch at my sister's feet. I looked back at the couch and she wasn't there, but there was an imprint in the blankets that looked like someone had been sitting there. I decided I didn't care about my sister's beauty rest and ended up waking her up because that shit was terrifying. After that, it felt like someone was standing behind me while I was in the recliner. The next incident, I was about 12. My friend, 8-year-old cousin, and I had gone downstairs so we could be loud and color while my grandparents slept. My cousin ended up falling asleep before us, so we were just enjoying our coloring books. Then we heard a door slam into something and close behind us. It was the shed. Now, mind you that this door hadn't been open in years and always takes quite a bit of muscle to push open and has a turn knob. We thought it was a win since it was only once and didn't want to scare ourselves. We kept coloring and tried to relax a little. Then it happened again and again and again. For about five minutes, the door would slam open and hit something in the shed and slam shut. But how was this door opening with such ease despite being hard to open? I was crying and shaking, so my friend and I ran upstairs and woke my grandma up and told her something was downstairs in the shed. She told us it was just the wind and not to worry, but I was bawling at this point. 
Then she got mad at us for not waking my cousin up and just leaving her down there. (laughs) So we had to go back down to get her. We all went up to the family room and I heard the sliding door in the dining room slide open and shut and barely got any sleep that night. The last story I'm going to share happened when another cousin, two years younger, and I were at the house with another older sister who was living there at the time. She lived in the basement and hated being there alone, so she had my cousin and I come over for the night. My sister had gone to bed early, so my cousin and I were at the computer playing games and watching YouTube videos. Out of the corner of my eye, I had seen the curtain on the sliding door moving a little bit, but didn't want to say anything to alarm my cousin. When we were done playing the computer, I went to the door to check and see if there was a vent or maybe the door was cracked that was causing the curtain to move. Nothing. We got to the living room to start watching TV and I told her about seeing the curtain moving and not wanting to scare her. She replied, I saw that too. I didn't want to scare you, so I didn't say anything. Sketchy, but whatever. Maybe there was just a breeze. As we were watching TV, we heard someone come up the top flight of stairs. One, two, three. They were wearing work boots and had a heavy gait. We stared at each other and decided to ignore it. A few minutes later, one, two, three. It was the footsteps again. We called to my sister and asked her what she was doing since she would always play cruel tricks on us. She replied in a sleepy voice saying she was in bed and it sounded like she was. A few minutes later, again, one, two, three. It kept happening fairly frequently for about 10 minutes. Then we both decided to look and see if it were my sister since you could tell which step they were on based on the sound but we didn't see anyone. The lack of visual didn't match the step sound. We were terrified. We decided if it happened again that we would run downstairs and sleep with my sister. Then it started again. One step and we booked it. The steps were still happening as we approached the steps and it was just visual nothingness, meaning no one was there when there should have been. We got downstairs and told my sister what we heard and I snuggled up on her bed and my cousin took the couch that was at the foot of the bed in front of the shed door. I slept through the night, but in the morning, my cousin said she struggled to sleep. She felt like someone was watching her from the window in the shed door. Despite all of that, I did live at that house for a few months between high school and college and constantly was on high alert mode. My grandpa has had experiences. He's also quite the storyteller, so some aren't believable, but him and my cousins who experience these with me are the only ones who believe it's haunted. My grandpa always says the property is an ancient burial ground, which a lot of the U.S. is, angry face, and is within 10 miles of historical wars with indigenous people. Is that who we heard? Question mark. I've always felt that there was a presence of an angry man there. Anyway, thanks for reading this exhaustingly long email. Creep it real and don't get scared, Anna. Anna, you be hearing some shit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Footsteps are so scary. Well, again, like I said in the last one, you go straight to intruder, not to ghost. Right. And both are scary. I mean, real life person who has ill intentions, scarier, but still. Yeah, I want no part of that. Mm-mm. Also, I wouldn't mind being the one outside mowing, though. You do love to mow. I love a fucking riding lawnmower. Not push mower. Don't get me twisted. A riding <laughs> lawnmower. I want to try a zero turn. Colby says I'm going to wreck it, but I want to get one and try it. I mean, whew. I mean, I probably will. But <laughs> that's what insurance is for. Right. I don't know. Do you insure your lawnmower? I mean, I don't think you'll wreck it that bad. It would be more like your house or, you know, like things like that. But you don't have a lot of... Acreage? No, well, that. But like you don't have a lot of objects that you have to like zero turn around anyway. But you do it way faster with a zero turn. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I do love a lawnmower. I love to drive things like a lawnmower, a four-wheeler, like all those types of things. A golf cart. But not a car. Yeah, no, I'm over that now. I want to play Candy Crush. (laughs) I used to be the one that wants to drive. Now I just want you to take me places. Really, it's Colby's fault. <laughs> now that I'm like, this is what it's like being a passenger, I'm I'm there for it. No, it's Candy Crush's fault. You've been like that since Candy Crush. I've been like that since I hit level 800 back in the day when it made you no longer had to wait on tickets. Uh-huh. And I don't th- nobody does tickets anymore, but back in the day... <laughs> When I walked uphill both directions to get my <laughs> Candy Crush tickets. 
since we're talking about games, so June's Journey. <laughs> Not an ad. <laughs> Not an ad, but I definitely would do an ad for them because I fucking love that game. But there is a group that is open right now. It's Creepinati. Just type it in if you can get to the groups because there's only two of us in there. And uh, I need y'all to drink my my rounds that I'm doing so I can get more energy. Okay, thank you. Love you. Bye. Okay, so now you're in a cult. Awesome. (laughs) Also, I gave you a month. I'm surprised you've been playing it this long. Donna gets hyped up. She's very like ADHD in that way where she gets so enthralled. Like she's going to get all the things. She probably has a June's Journey shirt. She's got, I mean, like she's in it to win it. And then she's like, meh, I'm done. Also. I mean, me too. Also, this Sunday, mm-hmm. it was our one-year anniversary of Phasmophobia. Yeah, but you don't play it as much as they do. They play other games more so than Phasmophobia. I know, but I'm just saying. But we still play it. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. But you, what did you give me on that one? Like a month? So I'm just saying, she doesn't know me. She had some breaks. Okay, on to the next one. <laughs> hey, y'all. First time writing in. Been listening since middle of summer 2020. There are so many true crime and paranormal podcasts, and I had to switch around a little and was so happy to find you too. You are wonderful people who are actually interesting, no tea, no shade, who make me bust up every time I listen, which is almost every day because I have to catch up. I just listened to the first full episode of 2020, and with the call for more stories and the reference to Sneaky Cheese Man, one of my favorite books as a kid, (laughs) I had to share a few things. Uh, remember 2020 at the beginning when we were so just like eager for life? Uh-huh. Had no idea what was coming. Yeah. I love when people listen to uh, 2019 and we're like, 2020 is going to be a great year. That's going to be our year. We're going to travel. <laughs> no, we never claim to be mediums, okay? <laughs> no, we know we're extra large. <laughs> I have a lot of stories, but this is one that I have wanted to share for a while. When I was a kid, maybe around 11, my cousin Keith was murdered. He had married into our family, and I remember seeing him at holidays when I was really little. He was always so nice. I still remember his warm smile that made his face wrinkle and always reached his eyes. He was leaving a 7-Eleven where he always stopped for his morning coffee when a man kidnapped him. The assailant forced Keith at gunpoint to drive the two of them to a middle-of-nowhere field, tied him up, robbed him, and shot him. The details are fuzzy, but to my memory, this case went unsolved. When I asked my mom about it more recently, she said she didn't remember anything except being called to jury duty for a different murder case and they let her go because there's no way she could have been impartial. The thing that always struck me was how sudden it was and how scared he must have been for those, I don't even know how long, 20 minutes, 30, less than 10. He lived in central California and it doesn't take long to get to an abandoned field. Keith was great, and if there are angels, he's definitely one of them. I have more to send in, some creepy, plenty of funny and what am I doing with my life moments, but I want to keep catching up so I can listen as they come out. I'm sure it won't take long. I will not apologize for how long this was because it could have been even longer. Thank you, ladies. Creep it real and don't get scared. B. Oh my gosh, that is heartbreaking that really is and so senseless like they could have just robbed him and moved the fuck on right yes oh also it's so funny this is b and they've now been to watch parties and game nights and stuff like that like a different level yeah and it's like oh this is when you first started listening yeah and you love origin stories like that Mm -hmm. what i don't love is this story though and how fucking brutal and unnecessary i mean not that all murders aren't senseless but again this could have just been like a rob him and move the fuck on you don't have to take him to another location and fucking tie him up like like you said how terrifying for him Mm. when you said his smiles always reached his eyes oh i don't know that just i felt that and that it's still unsolved too and maybe that's why they did that because they did know him or he would have recognized them from his routine or something like that but shit and that's so not fair to the family all these unsolved god i don't know this was a sad story it really was but thank you for sharing that 
The next one is one of my many paranormal experiences. Hey y'all, my name is Mike P. from Indiana, formerly of Alabama. Let me just say that I only just found y'all not even a month ago and have been binging the hell out of y'all's podcast since. Thank you. Love how it feels like when I'm listening, it's like hanging out with my besties. No one says that. Chilling, talking about all the creepiness that we love so much. Are you chilling, chilling, minding my business? <laughs> Anyways, without further ado. <laughs> was that really in the email? Yeah. Oh my God, that's so perfect to my like, like they knew that yeah. I was going to do a stupid line. Anyway, back to me. <laughs> Anyways, without further ado, because this is a bit of a long one, on to my story. The year is 1990-something, Halloween. I was probably about 15 or 16 and hosting a Halloween party with my closest friends. The night was drawing to a close, and in all of our infinite adolescent wisdom, aka dumbassery, we decided to bust out the Ouija board. Stupid. And the first and last time I ever used one, by the way. We were already outdoors and decided that the safest place to do the Ouija board was in my parents' car. My mom would have kicked my ass if she'd known we were using a Ouija board. So picture it. Me and like five friends crammed into the backseat of an 86 Cadillac Fleetwood. Anyways, after reaching out to the spirit world, asking if there were any spirits wanting to come through, blah, 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 we make contact. We all insisted to one another that individually we weren't moving the planchette. The spirit claimed to be named. Well, I can't say the name for reasons you'll find out later. Anyways, it gave us a name. Said spirit answered a few questions and a little while later I turned to my buddy and he turned to me and we both said, almost in unison, I've got the chills. The girls were starting to get creeped out and it was getting late and I told the spirit that we're ending the session now and the planchette moved quickly to no. I persisted and there was a loud bang like something hit the side of the car. Quickly and stupidly, I might add, we just dropped the board and hauled ass back indoors. So I was told anyways, as I had no recollection of anything after the knocking sound on the car, fast forward to the next day, my buddy John and I were talking about the previous night's craziness, and I had mentioned that I had the worst nightmares that night. Immediately, he said, me fucking too. Were they about a tall, shadowy man with red eyes in a trench coat? Sure enough, we had the same fucking nightmare. Like, what in the nightmare on my street is going on right now? As we spoke with the others that were a party to the Ouija incident, they too had strange dreams or had seen this figure out of the corner of their eyes. Turns out that individually throughout the next few weeks, we all, five of us that participated in the Ouija session, had experienced weird shit. One friend claims to have been thrown across his room one night. Another said that she would get touched on her leg at night in her sleep. Another that they heard whispers telling him to do terrible things. Myself, I have never seen him or experienced what the others did, but almost felt constantly as I was being followed, like someone was over my shoulder bearing down on me, like I was just never alone. The nightmares persisted, and the shit was crazy for a while, but eventually the incidents became less and less until we mentioned the spirit's name. Then shit would go sideways again for a week or so. That is why, to this day, we do not utter his name. Also, why I'll never do a Ouija board session ever again. Also, though, that was kind of the beginning of my fascination with the paranormal. From there, things in my life got, well, interesting. Also, and maybe I should have prefaced with this, but it's largely the reason why I became a paranormal investigator. Anyways, I know I wrote y'all a book, but I really wanted to share this story with y'all. Perhaps the next one will be shorter and there will be more to come. I'm full of creepy stories that I know y'all and the creepsters will love. Until next time, ladies, creep on creeping on, Mike. Uh, you buried the lead that you were a paranormal investigator. Right? That's freaking awesome. Also, do you know how bad I want to know that name now? But, I mean, I get it. Don't ever tell me. Don't do anything. But, I mean, I could you just, like, circle the numbers on, like, an old phone and then be, like, hit it three times to get to that? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but just... even 
like even then I don't want to actually know it, but I do want to actually know, I know it. I know. Oh. Because if I did find out, I'd be like, fuck, I actually know now. I know. And then I couldn't help it, but I would say it in my head. That's why like Candyman, Beetlejuice, um, Bloody Mary, I'm like, oh, don't say it. And then in my head, I'm like saying it, saying it, saying it. I'm like, oh, don't say it. <laughs> I'm insane. No, that's like literally what you would do. I can picture that being like, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. That's what I do. And I will literally be like, I need a throw blanket. I need this. My name is Donna. Like trying to break up the the cadence yeah. of saying it. <laughs> it's, oh. Huh. <laughs> oh, a day in the life in your head. <laughs> also, you know you're like a little kid when you can fit five people in the back of a car. Uh-huh. And then like be in like circle formation. How in the fuck? Was it a station wagon? An SUV? That's the only way I can picture it. It's a Cadillac Fleetwood. I don't know what that is, though. Bougie. (laughs) Well, keep those stories coming in, Mike. This one's called For Real Ghost Hunting. Forget McDouche. Hey, Donna and Carrie, I love your podcast. I appreciate your inclusiveness and open-minded sensitivity toward people and all things. I have a number of stories I would like to share with you. Not getting murdered execution style in a tattoo shop. The state police calling me about a gun registered to my mom that she never purchased. My grandparents, house ghost, Mr. Christie. Today, I would thought I would tell you about real ghost hunting. I always crack up when Donna talks about McDouche on ghost hunters and figured you ladies might appreciate an alternative to him. My significant other at my age boyfriend seems weird. I completely understand that. I'm like, every time I say something about Colby, I'm like, my boyfriend, I'm like, God, I fucking hate saying that because it makes me feel so, like, I don't know, it just feels so not permanent, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it feels like we could break up any moment, you know? Like, my boyfriend, you know, I don't know, it just feels so teeny, like teeny bopper. (laughs) Okay, anyway. So, their significant other designs ghost hunting apps for a living. He does other stuff too, like flipping cars and remodeling houses, but his bread and butter comes from his apps. We met because he listed a 1999 Dodge truck for sale on Facebook, and after saving up for a few years and getting an unexpectedly large tax return, I could afford it. Facebook Marketplace duly noted, I will go there now for some dating. Fuck that Tinder. And swiping right straight to the marketplace. That's right. I mean, isn't Tinder kind of a marketplace? It, I mean, you're not wrong. At least you're getting actual goods from a Facebook marketplace. True. Okay, so they could afford it. It was exactly what I had been saving for and dreaming of. He said that he liked my personality from the beginning, but when I bent over to dig for a pen in the backseat of my car, he, let's say, fell in lust. Things blossomed from there, and we've been together ever since. Anyway, there has been some strange stuff going on in my house. I've lived here for about three years. Things fall, there are odd crashes, the usual. I staged the house with the windows open, also burned Palo Santo, put black turpentine over the doors, do all the things by the book. There's still something here. Ricky used one of his apps, and the spirit here told us that it had been coming out of the floor under my younger daughter's bed. It said it was attached to something in the floor. We pulled up the floorboards a week later while we were remodeling in the house and found multiple trash bags worth of mulch and coal stuffed between the joists. There's a video on YouTube of us talking to it. And in fact, there are a few videos of us ghost hunting in various locations and a few in my home. We picked up a spirit here just two days ago. In fact, it was friendly. It seemed to enjoy reading books with me. I'm pretty sure the friendly spirit is still here, hanging out, waiting for me to read another mystery novel. I'm sharing this because his approach is much different than that of the TV famous ghost hunters. He talks to spirits like you would talk to any person you've just met. He's friendly, but also tells the spirits to get their shit together and stop being rude when it's necessary. He will tell you that Ouija boards are silly toys made by board game companies and that ghosts only like them because they are letters on a spirit board. Ricky has a video on his channel showing how he builds apps, showing that the audio tracks available for Ghostbox sessions has exactly zero pre-programmed words. I'm dead, help, murder, and whatever are not in there. He uses gibberish. Nothing that sounds like things you may want to hear. If you hear something, it's because the spirit has spoken those specific words for the purpose of you hearing it. 
If you know tech stuff, which I do not, you can see the code he used to make his Android apps and all the secrets are laid bare. He hasn't branched out into making Apple apps yet, but he's working on it. Ricky likes to post videos of investigations with zero results of the supernatural because sometimes nothing happens. That's normal. That's real. The point here is that ghost hunting is like hunting animals in the sense that you try to make the situation welcoming for the creature you are hoping to attract, but you also understand that not every trip you will bag a trophy. Also, sometimes ghost hunts are anticlimactic, even if you detect a spirit. Sometimes spirits become frustrated from being stuck in one place for decades and then lash out when they're ignored. Some spirits are shit entities, just like some humans are shit people. The likelihood of something cranky and pissy that shows itself on EVPs being a demon is minuscule. I'll include links to some of the relevant stuff I've mentioned. I do not expect you to share them. I'm not marketing. I was so skeptical, a total carry about this, until I saw the nuts and bolts of how my man created these spirit detecting apps based on magnetometers and vibration sensors. I just want you to know that there are legit ghost boxes Ricky built a big one with an amp and all in addition to his Android apps. He said maybe if he glues gemstones to it, people might be interested in it. And EVP meters and legit ghost hunters who don't run away from spirits. Thanks for everything you do, ladies. I look forward to Monday commutes to listen to your new episodes. Octavia in Pennsylvania. Well, I need him to get on the Apple train right now so I can go in Carrie's hallway and prove that it's haunted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's really cool that he builds those apps and stuff. Yeah, that's way beyond my brain power. For sure. For sure. I don't understand why they don't show those ghost hunts that don't have any evidence or anything. Because that's still interesting because you're still doing stuff. And like Ghost Bros, they did it where I can't remember. I think it was Jawan. He got scared by something. And like they all cracked up because it wasn't anything paranormal and that was still a great episode and like nothing really happened but for the masses for those shows people want to see it happen and and so just like sex sells ghost sells you know yeah and so they're going to get way more people watching and all of that when they're over the top like that yeah and we get to tease them (laughs) i mean it is it is fun it is fun there's a lot of opportunity there quality material All right, last one. It's called A Midwest Farmhouse Haunting. I feel like say that five times fast. A Midwest Farmhouse Haunting. I couldn't say it slow. Hi, ladies. This is way the fuck long, so I apologize in advance. About 15 years ago, I moved into an old farmhouse on the edge of a small town in central Illinois. I was really excited to move from our apartment to a house. No one wants to know when their neighbor is flushing the toilet. Am I right? Or cooking. Or having sex if you're Carrie. Oh my god, it makes me so fucking uncomfortable. I mean, it's free porn. <laughs> no, it's it literally gives me hives. It was a bit run down and old, but it fit the budget. As a background, I'd had some paranormal experiences before that, but I never actually lived with them. Okay, here we go. Before I moved in, I was cleaning up and getting ready for the big move. As I was working in the dining room, I heard a muffled conversation in the kitchen. I was home alone and it was legit in the middle of a field, so no neighbors. I assumed it must have been a conversation from across the field in a nearby park. The windows were open and maybe the sound was just carrying. So I turned up the music. But every time the music went up, so did the voices. I ended up turning off the radio and then the voices just stopped. Before I could think through what had happened, I saw my sister driving down the lane, so I went outside to talk to her and my nephews. I asked my then three-year-old nephew what he thought of my new house. He told me it was not my house, it was Ruth's house. Super weird, as we didn't know anyone by that name. We shrugged it off, but from that point, that's what he called it. After moving in, it didn't take long for shit to start happening. Objects would end up in different locations, and footsteps were heard in the attic over my room almost nightly. I chalked everything up to it being an old house and me being forgetful with where I put things. But the first time I ever saw anything was on Thanksgiving. I was making dinner and drinking some wine. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw movement. I turned to see an old woman in Amish-type clothing looking at me. I was frozen, and before I could react, she was gone. I thought, maybe too much wine? 
A few months later, a work friend asked me if my grandma was staying with me. She drove by my house the day before and saw an old woman looking out my window. I was speechless for once in my life because both of my grandmas were deceased and no one was at home at the time. I really tried to blow everything off and then one day my hairbrush went missing. It was gone for days. I tore my house apart looking for it. It may seem small, but it was a nice brush. I used it every day and I didn't want to go buy another. Annoyed and half joking, I finally said, Ruth, if you have the brush, will you please give it back? Shit you not, the next morning, I got out of the shower and walked into my room to find the brush neatly laid on my freshly made bed. Did Ruth make your bed too? No, I'm sure she made her own bed. What's that like? (laughs) Around about that time, my son started to complain about a man watching him in the corner of his room at night. He said he wore coveralls and had dark eyes. I never saw it, but we ended up moving my son's room to the spare room across the hall. The sighting stopped. Not long after, my now fiancé was in the basement working on the sump pump. I swear that damn basement flooded every time it even sprinkled outside. He knew nothing about our experiences. I had just met him and didn't want to scare him off. He came up from the basement and said, Did you know that your house is haunted? (laughs) He saw a man watching him from the corner of the basement and described him the same way that my son did. That's so fucking creepy. (laughs) Right? I'm not into Ouija boards or seances. I didn't want to open a door or piss anything off. And there wasn't anything malicious happening. So we just took everything in stride until we moved out six and a half years ago. They ended up tearing the house down a few months later to make way for an interstate expansion. Not sure what happened to Ruth and the dark-eyed guy in coveralls. I just know they didn't follow us here. I did do some research, though, and learned that the house was built in the mid-1870s during the second wave of settlement to that area. Many Mennonites were there at that time. I found an old picture from the turn of the century, and the period dress for Mennonites was what I saw Ruth wearing. I am thinking she maybe just loved that house and wanted to let us know she was there. Anywho, that's my story. I do have another story I'll eventually type up from when I was on a ghost hunt and was scratched. They ask who wanted to go down the scary hallway alone with a known angry ghost, and my dumbass raised my hand. I found you gals a few months back and fell head over heels. I'm playing catch up while listening to the new episodes and getting to know the Creepinati. Love you and your laughter. You make my work from home life so much brighter. XOXO, Aaron HM. Well, we're very glad you found us and thank you for sending this in. Yes, for sure. Glad you got out of that house when you did, though, because the guy, the creeper who was watching. Yeah, that sounded very sinister. Yeah. Ruth, she sounds kind. I picture her like canning all the meat. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But that dude. I don't know who he is, but we don't like him. Mm-mm. No, we don't like him. Though, that reminds me of, there's a show called Ghost. It, sorry, it was originally, like, BBC, but now it's over here. Because, um, of course, we remake everything. But uh, there, I've only seen, like, a couple of episodes. But there's these ghosts in the, like, basement area. And <laughs> they're trying to light the water heater or something like that and they're telling them but no one can hear them because they're ghosts and so they're like telling them how to do it and like everyone's like you can't do it you can't do it blah 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 well then the girl like hits her head or something and she can see the ghost now okay but her boyfriend or husband whoever can't and he's like I don't know how to do it and she's like I'm telling you how to do it because they're telling her. her yeah and he's like how do you know because i mean it was like oddly specific yeah like lean it this way blow three times and now let it go you know yeah. all the things and he's like how do you know that and she's like um there's a group of like blah 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 oh my god but it was so funny but it just that just reminded me of him watching like the guy work in the basement and being like, you're doing it wrong. That's so funny. And a friend just told me today to watch that show. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, I really need to catch up on it, but uh, it's it's pretty funny. Well, and uh, kudos that your fiance was like, your house is haunted and stayed. Right? For sure. I'd have been like, girl, bye. <laughs> also, and that you got your boyfriend fixing something like that. Right? I mean, that's how Donna got Colby over here for me. 
<laughs> she lied and told him I needed a fan put up. Well, I did I, need a fan put up. You did need a fan. Yeah, but you told him that we were going to do it together. Yeah. Do you want to come help? And not nowhere in this world did you and I have a plan to hang up a fucking fan. No, we were trying to get someone else to do it. Yeah, I was going to get my brother-in-law to do it. And then, well... Here comes Colby, and he actually did it for me. Oh, Thank y'all so much for sending in all of these freaking stories. We love them. And I'm starting to not get as scared that we're going to run out. But just as soon as I say that, I'm like, oh, are we going to run out? <laughs> so keep them coming in. If you want them read, you can send them to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Or go to the website, and you can do contact us and send it in that way. Also, you can look at, you know, Patreon, the merch store, episode notes, all the things while you're at the website, too. Uh, but mostly, remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.